Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License Flight Number 16 with service to Cape Side. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember, if you are looking for a great way to introduce yourself to any fellow passengers on our flight, may we suggest asking them about their virginity, or maybe about their preferred girth when it comes to sex. If you are out of ideas, you can also always explain how Steven Spielberg's films make up your entire personality. Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Purvis, joined by Rich Inman and Max Singer. How are you boys doing today? Hey, hey. Hey. Now, now, well, now I'm only thinking about girth, <laughs> as, just as a word, and that's you... uh, not how I wanted to start this one <laughs> off, but that's all right. Well, we are about to get a very confusing <clears throat> algorithmic-based placement on podcasts. Yeah, if we're talking <laughs> films and girth, can, may I suggest the title of the episode be Girth of the Nation? I've heard that the first minute of a podcast is the only bit that Spotify and YouTube listen to to determine the rating of it. So, Incredible. I didn't think you were going to say podcast there. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, today Jeez. we are talking about the late 90s classic Dawson's Creek. And before we get started, it appears that we have a new passenger in our midst who has appeared via rowboat. Our guest on today's episode <laughs> is the host of the web series, Dear John. He is a Massachusetts native, and he does, in fact, know the difference between a lake, a river, and a creek. Please welcome <gasps> Brendan Sargent. Brendan, welcome to the podcast. Hey! What's up, everybody? My arms are so tired from, from getting out of the rowboat, but not actually doing any rowing over here, so... Thank you for having me. <laughs> wow, that's our that's surprisingly for having a uh an aerospace themed uh podcast, that's the first boy are my arms tired reference that we've <laughs> well, had in yeah, sixteen episodes. <laughs> you kinda set me up for it, so thank you for that. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. Do you mind telling us a little bit in our audience a little bit about the Dear John web series? Yeah, so uh, this is a web series that my friend and creative partner Joel Marsh and I do. Um, it's very straightforward. It's uh, We go into somebody's bathroom for about an hour. Um, we review their bathroom. <laughs> and um, Relatable. Yeah, and uh, we, we edit it down into like a four-minute. It's all improvised, obviously. We edit it down into like a four-minute episode. And so uh, we have occasionally we'll have like a guest with us, a comedian – come into the bathroom with us um you know ideally, ideally also relatable uh, yeah, yeah yeah and we just cram ourselves and usually it's really hot and all like half of the episodes i'm covered in my own sweat but um, <laughs> also relatable it's it's a lot of fun. just finding the best like 1940s pre-war apartments in la <laughs> yeah a lot of them are like in hollywood and stuff and they, they are like 100 year old bathrooms and i'm just like <sighs> you're, you're talking to three Jews constantly teetering on the brink of IBS. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I can't relate to this anymore. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for those who might be joining us for the first time, maybe to hear Brendan talk about Dawson's Creek or maybe have just found us magically by the Spotify or YouTube algorithm. Max, do you mind telling us a little bit about what this podcast is all about? Absolutely. So here at TV Pilots License, we review the pilot episodes of some of the most famous or in some cases infamous shows of our time. Uh, we break down how these shows got made, if we think they're effective and making us want to watch more and if they could be made today. Uh, we've got a whole 
slew of episodes now wherever you find your podcast so go back and give a listen uh thank you to everyone who we were in your spotify raps for 2022 that means a ton to us and uh welcome aboard and rich you normally bring a little bit of something extra what's your question <laughs> of the week always do um all right so this is going to be a recurring theme throughout this pilot episode and normally i have like an open-ended uh question for this but <clears throat> i would like to know if there is a morning anchor real or fictional <laughs> <laughs> that you have had some sexual thoughts about uh and uh go into any detail you want we're past the first minute of the podcast. Spotify this is, is listening. This is no good. gods, this no is, masters. This is definitely something I want to put on record out into the world. So incredible. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, there were so many. I, I feel like the Today <laughs> there's Show. So, was so many. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many that I, I truly can't even narrow it down. I mean, when I, when, <laughs> when I was like 12 or 13, and the Today Show was on, it's like I, I was horny for everything. So it was like, yeah, of course. Like, morning, afternoon shows, like any, anything. <laughs> So, I think I the one that. they picked in this show is, is a good choice. I'll be honest. I I would agree with you. Yeah, I was. My family was an NBC family growing up. Uh-huh. I like to say so. The Today Show, obviously, you know, there everyone is very attractive on that show. But I will just throw it off to NBC Nightly News. There were two <laughs> very handsome gentlemen who uh, ah. hosted that show. Brian Williams and Tom Brokaw were mm. both, you know, if you have one preference Ooh. or another, they're both handsome. I I have to put that out there. I love a hot man in a suit who lies to me. Yeah, I so love I'm, lying I'm about Brian helicopter Williams, crashes too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that comes up way too much on this podcast. <laughs> what if I was just like, Regis Feldman? <laughs> Ooh, is is Kelly Ripa your answer? Uh, oh, Kelly, yeah, Ke- Kelly Ripa. <laughs> Kelly Ripa. Okay. Kelly Ripa. Yeah, that's, that's Kelly true. Ripa. Kelly Ripa. That, that, that is the only correct answer. There you go. Yeah, I'm I'm going fictional with mine, and I'm going Reese Witherspoon's character from the Morning Show. Oh, very nice. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, swish and re- relatable and and recent. Well, Rich, thank you for that question. Definitely had me yeah, thinking real, a little really bit. Really got the juices flowing. Yeah, it it has my creative juices flowing for sure. But <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about. Dawson's Creek, and we'll start off with a just a short and sweet synopsis of four friends in a small coastal town help each other cope with adolescence. That's all. Sick. Yeah, no, that 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 might be the shortest synopsis I have ever read for this podcast. But Max, I know there's a little bit more that went into the making of this show. Can you tell us a little bit about it? There's so much. I'm so excited for this one today. Uh, so Dawson's Creek premiered on January 20th, 1998. We'll be talking about the episode Dawson's Creek today. Uh, but we're going to go back in time a little bit and discuss a gentleman by the name of Kevin Williamson. Uh, he is the writer and creator of Dawson's Creek. And if you're familiar with that name, it's because around this time, he also had sold a pretty successful spec script that you might know as the movie Scream. Ooh. So he had sold Scream a few years prior, and even before that movie goes into production, he's taking meetings all around town. Uh, He's like the hot new guy on the scene, and he takes a development meeting with a gentleman by the name of Paul Steuben, 
who is a TV producer. Steuben is most responsible at this point for basically connecting a young writer that he discovered by the name of Darren Starr with Aaron Spelling and helping to package Beverly Hills 90210 for Fox back in the early 90s. Uh, so Williamson pitches Steuben this teen series based on his own youth in North Carolina as an aspiring filmmaker in a small coastal town who wants to grow up to be Steven Spielberg. <laughs> it's, he it's gets. Him. He gets asked by Steuben if he's comfortable to take a meeting with Columbia TriStar the very next day to pitch this show. Wow. Goes home and writes a 20-page outline that night that he then pitches the next day. Uh, so what this the is, fuck have you done lately? This is so uh, relatable. This is I the love opposite a of deadline. a tone poem. For <laughs> uh, so Williamson has described his original pitch for this show as being... Some kind of wonderful meets pump up the volume meets James at 15 meets my so-called life meets little house on the prairie quick breakdown for those references a John Hughes teen film from 1987 a Christian Slater teen film from 1990 about starting your own pirate radio station in your basement uh, a one season NBC coming of age show from the late 70s an ABC teen drama known for starring Claire Danes and Jared Leto and Little House on the Prairie. Uh, Can I just say, I already cannot stand this guy. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have that many meets in your pitch. Like, it can't be that many things meeting other things. Uh, what about the bear? They had a lot of meets in that pitch. I was God about to it. say, I'm a big fan of meat. Uh, uh. Uh, so, Columbia TriStar basically tries to sell this show to Fox because of Paul Steuben's connections at 90210. But at the time, Party of Five, their other teen show, is really struggling ratings-wise, so they pass. TriStar takes it to the newly founded WB Network, who's looking for another teen show to pair with its new hit, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And they love it. So they basically give him a 13-episode order, and in a real show of confidence, they actually film and edit the entire thing before the pilot even airs. So instead of like shooting as they go or giving it a few to see how it tests... They just go all in on that first season. Wow. Uh, one of the other producers on this show who bows out in production is actually Procter and Gamble. Yeah. I, uh, I... So a little bit of history here. Procter and Gamble actually has a production division that they started in the 1930s. And they were the main sponsor for serialized radio dramas hmm. uh, because they were basically sponsoring these shows to sell ivory soap. Oh, That's soap where the opera, phrase yeah. soap operas comes from. Yeah. Okay. They, you know, Procter & Gamble really likes to keep a clean image. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, And yeah, they, they get the hell away from this show when they realize what they're filming. They drop out. But P&G actually still produces some soaps to this day. They're still involved with some day they, shows that are... Yeah, they make Dial... They uh, <laughs> hey, don't don't touch that dial. They uh, they actually produced the People's Choice People's Choice Awards like up until like a few years ago when they sold it to the E Network. So like super like they're still around, but like you don't hear people talk about them. You hear people talk about Tide Pods. Talking about P G though, the marketing behind Dawson's Creek is actually one of the most notable things about it before it premiered. So Warner Brothers sinks millions of dollars into pre-promotion before this show even airs. They want to go all in on it. This was actually the first TV show to ever have a trailer before a movie. Like the first TV show. Oh. Warner Brothers packaged it to be one of the trailers before every screening of Titanic in 1997 Whoa. so every single person 
who saw the highest grossing film of all time at that point, saw a trailer for this show that was going to come out in January of 98. Holy shit. Uh, Dawson's Creek also got their entire wardrobe department sponsored by J. Crew and featured the entire like main four in the J. Crew holiday catalog before the show aired. So again, millions of people were getting exposed to this show not by watching TV. Uh, so if you're at home and you, I don't know, work in marketing or even better if you work at a studio uh one uh, call me but two like just <laughs> follow the dawson's creek template it works so so well uh also we don't normally get too too into this but i feel like it's worth highlighting who was in this original writer's room because everyone who works on this first season goes on to do so much stuff wow uh writer's room uh, people who go on to be EPs and creators of other shows. You have Alex Ganza, who creates Homeland. Greg oh, wow. Berlanti, who does like everything at CW these days. Uh, Gina Fator, who is an EP and writer on Gilmore Girls. Jenny Bix, who was a main writer and EP on Sex and the City. Uh, Julie Pleck, who goes on to co-create The Vampire Diaries with Williamson. And Tom Kapanos, who creates Californication. Wow. Uh, also, this main four, they also work today. We all know James Vanderbeek, Josh Jackson, uh, Michelle Williams, Katie Holmes. But uh, other people who screen tested for this show, uh, for Pacey, Adam Brody, uh, for for Dawson, Adrian Grenier, and Charlie Hunnam. Adrian! For, jo- <laughs> for this, Joey this Selma Blair. Adrian Grenier. Uh, uh, Grenier or Grenier? Grenier? Sure. Grenier. Uh, he wants you to think it's Grenier. Oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds right. Uh, uh, and for Jed, Catherine Heigl. So, like, wow. there's so many That's directions amazing. this show could have gone, uh, but I'm just blown away with how they got this show to air in the lead-up to it. And that takes us to Dawson's Creek on January 20th, 1998. Yeah, that, that, that was wild. Do um, you guys want to just jump in? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's jump into the creek. Um, so we start off it's with... too shallow. It's too shallow. Oh, the yeah. famously too shallow. <laughs> um, we open with being introduced to Dawson and Joey and the ever-looming presence of Steven Spielberg in this <laughs> pilot episode <laughs> as we are watching E.T. Um, nothing like too remarkable about this, but we then get to... St- a little bit of a picture into what the relationship between Dawson and Joey is like when they Dawson is surprised Joey isn't sleeping over. Um, they are both 15 years old, I want to say. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Yeah. I, when you said there's nothing yeah. remarkable oh, about so, this, I was so, like, well, there's one thing remarkable when they said they were 15 and they're like in their early 20s. So I actually, yeah. I looked into this. James Vanderbeek at the time of filming this pilot was 21 years old. Um, as Katie Holmes was, I believe, 19. But he could play 10 if he wanted. Yeah, no. <laughs> he's not. Katie Holmes is 19 years old. So, like, there's a little bit of an age gap. But, like, Katie Holmes, I watched this with my wife, and we both agreed. She looked like she was in high school in comparison yeah. to James Vanderbeek, who shaved five minutes prior to the filming of this pilot. <laughs> yeah. And James Vanderbeek doesn't even look 21 in this. Yeah, he, James yeah. Vanderbeek could pass for 30 in this pilot very easily if you told I know him. We have, I, I know we 15. haven't met her yet, but Michelle Williams could pass for 35. Like, it, it, <laughs> she she just, like, carries herself like a like a, 
adult woman. It, it, I could not believe they were trying to pass her off as 15. So, like, one of the things this pilot does from the start that really, like, when you do a cold open, you want to, like, have a warm embrace of, like, oh, yeah, stay here for a while. Like, this is something that will definitely intrigue you. It, whoever wrote Joey's lines about talking about, that is the most I've heard penis on a network TV show, I think, ever. Like, I was like... That's part of the pre-Titanic trailer. It's yeah. Like, no. you're, you've never heard penis this many times <laughs> on a network TV show. <laughs> but, like, they... It's very much an interesting thing because we all have been 15 years old. And I started, like, hearing this conversation between Dawson and Joey. <laughs> I know, I know. An amazing, but, an amazing start to a sentence. <laughs> but, we like... All, all of us have. Unless you haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, unless unless you're 14, and then you will be 15, hopefully. Um, so, like, one of the things that I just sat back was, like, did you ever talk to a friend like this? But also the idea of would you, as a parent, like, I'm closer to being a parent than being 15 years old, be cool with, like, another 15-year-old of the opposite sex sleeping over in the same ba- damn bed, like... Without question. If I was if I was Dawson's parents and I was the two horniest people in the United States, yeah, yeah we're gonna I talk about that. Be okay with it. Because they are absolute deviants. And so they're probably yeah. like, Yeah, I hope I hope my son is sucking and fucking up there. Like they're just they they probably had no issue with it. I think it is kind of like a small town thing too. I mean, a lot of us are from like pretty like significantly larger cities and sure. and stuff. So that is like if you grow up with only four houses on the block that you are living on for most of your like childhood, and that's like your best friend coming up and like literally sneaking into his room on a ladder, which is by itself like I its own weird thing. Dangerous. Do- do we think the ladder was installed more of a conven as a convenience so that she doesn't interrupt uh, Mitch Leary? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mitch Leary from building his day. scuba diving restaurant. Um, or is this is this a thing where it's just like, oh, my parents won't notice the ladder that's just perpetually? Yeah, up. I mean, I I know Dawson's dad is cleaning them gutters, but I don't mean on the roof. <laughs> Oh god. But oh god, gutters. As as oh this god. continues though, it's just like they eventually agree of like Dawson sort of lives in this idealistic world. We we find out Dawson's perspective on sex later in the episode, which is intriguing. The take of a basically a 35-year-old yeah. man. <laughs> but through the eyes of a 15-year-old. But the they end with like Joey, just stay over. We're gonna sleep, and we sort of see Joey looking, perp, or you know, perplexed or pensively up at the ceiling. Um, and then we get the intro with "I Don't Want to Wait" by Paula Cole, and I lost my mind. <laughs> oh, that song slaps. <laughs> okay, so I watched a, a version of I, I watched some version of the pilot where. It was not the theme. Oh, so so was, yeah, yeah. Great point, Max. Go. We for all it. we all looked this up. We were all like, oh, oh you know what? <laughs> oh shit. Okay. So this is 
of the first generation of TV shows that started to be released in like DVD box sets and things like that. Mm. And with how successful the show is, the producer said, hell no, are we paying the royalties for every single DVD set that we sell? So they actually, for subsequent releases, until it came back to HBO Max recently, substituted out I Don't Want to Wait for a song they could pay lower royalties on. What? It's a, it's a, I mean, it's one of the few shows that have like an iconic theme song. Like the people legitimately enjoy the song outside of the context of the show. And it's a show where music is such a big part too. When we get into like things we love towards the end, I'll talk a little bit more about like the music supervision and things like that. But yeah, this is just an example of they decided to cut on the budget and cut back on the royalties they had to spend by just eliminating that one piece to save money. So I'm sorry you didn't get to hear I Don't Want to Wait over this VHS montage of yeah. teens frolicking on a Massachusetts <laughs> beach. Yeah, I uh, this, from what you've explained of how the show is created and hearing that explanation of why I can't hear the, the iconic theme song, this is just like... It sounds like the producer of the show is just like a crotchety old shop owner, like trying to trying to squeeze pennies out of absolutely uh, it's, everything. It's actually a crotchety old frog with a top hat. And <laughs> you guys, he was, the, the, he was the COO at the time. Hey, Michigan who's talking shit? <laughs> Rich, I don't know what you're expecting from WB at this point in time. <laughs> I'm I'm here for brooding teens. Let's do it. It was supposed to be uh, hand in my pocket by Alanis Morissette, but they couldn't secure the rights. What, what? a different, what a different vibe that would have been to open. That would up have the been show. amazing. Yeah, they couldn't secure the rights, and then WB apparently just happened to have bought the rights to this song when it came out in '96. Like, eh, fuck it, we'll use it eventually. <laughs> like, it's, it's like when HBO buys a bunch of vintage cars and like, all right, you know what? The script's set in the '70s now. <laughs> so. From this point, and after this introduction, we come into the making of a monster movie. Um, It's almost like Creature from the Black Lagoon, almost, but Dawson's super into it. Um, I want to know if the sailboats, the little um, sunfish sailboats that were in the background were part of his production, because boy, that is one hell of a budget for a 15-year-old. But... He's he's already using some pretty advanced equipment for someone who uh, allegedly doesn't have a lot of resources in a small town. I mean, yeah, and we get when we see so we sort of zoom in on Joey and then we get introduced to Pacey. From the top, Pacey seems like a dick. And I <laughs> want to talk about how like one of the first lines that this character says is um, when Joey's like, you felt my butt, and he's like, yeah, but there isn't much of one there. And I was <laughs> sort of, <laughs> it was one of those, oh yeah, this was 1998. Like, <laughs> thank, thank you for bringing me back into the idea that this is a time capsule. That, Teens that, being mean, baby. That scene, and there's another scene later that all I could think was like, they did a disservice to this show by not actually having actors from Boston or from the Cape. Because I, I think that, like, if Pacey has, like, a strong Southie accent, oh. it, it's Ooh. funny. It, like, genuinely is funny. Like, when, when he's, like, talking about the, like, the teacher in the school, it's, like, it's so upsetting. But if you just slap a Boston accent on it, it's, like, kind <laughs> of funny because he's, like, 
a total scumbag. But in yeah, the- I was gonna say have have everything Pacey does with the exactly. Casey Affleck Manchester by oh, the Sea thick oh, accent. Baby. Oh, I would definitely <laughs> I would rewatch. But after the failure of this scene filming, um, we get introduced to Michelle Williams' character of Jen. Um, with the most heavy-handed needle drop of the show. Dude, it was like, I, I almost wanted to, to rewind it and set a stopwatch to it for how long <laughs> the montage of the who's that girl, uh, like, slow-mo walk, that they actually, they use a good chunk of the 44 minutes of this pilot to do that. To have a cab pull up and Michelle Williams get out of it while oh, Bo yeah. Dean's Hey Pretty Girl blasts, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and... So we find out Jen is in town helping take care of her grandpa who just had surgery, or Gramps, as she calls him. Uh, Gramps and Grams are neighbors to Dawson and the Learys. Um, But from this point, we then get the wonderful instance of going to the video store. Or, excuse me, no, we walk in on Dawson's parents. How could I forget? Because... I'm introducing... You wanted to forget. You wanted to <laughs> no, forget. No, 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 because I'm introducing a new segment to the TV pilot's license. It's Jeff's nerd moment of the week. And oh. this week, I would like to talk about the actor who plays Mitch Leary. He's known as John Wesley Ship, and he was the original Flash for television. And he recently uh. took up the role once again. And boy, is this man a dreamboat, and he just has charm out the ass. John Wesley But I'll tell you, he's anything but the world's fastest man. Hey. (laughs) But we did almost get a flash on screen. Yeah, this is like, this moment of walking in on the parents, like, Brendan, you said it. They're horny as hell. I mean, they're like, on the fucking coffee table. Are you kidding me? Like, what, yeah. what, go, go to your bedroom. Your kid is home. It's it's child abuse. You gotta use <laughs> child, child abuse. abuse. You gotta use. You gotta use every single square foot of that house to fucking <laughs> like in this in this economy. Right, right now, it's like if you have if you have a house, you're not limiting that. You gotta explore the studio space. Yeah, it's it's one of those. It was like a breath of fresh air of just like, oh yeah, parents do be fucking, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like at the same time, I don't need to see it. Like, treat it like, um, I don't know, um, married with children or something like that, where they allude to it, but I don't need to see it. Yeah, like I feel like I, I honestly felt like a prude just watching it because all I could think was like, this, this is, this is like. In a TV show, this is stepfather behavior. Like this is like this is like you walk in on your mom with like your stepdad. This is like your actual. Like your parents, like they have no decency at all. They can't just like go behind a clothes. Like I'm all for being horny all the time, but just like just there's closed doors. You can just go, you know. But (laughs) while the Learys are explaining, you know, their sexual appetite, Joey is rowing home, and we get this really. What I like to say is, like, a lot of the show was written, I think, pretty well. But this one scene, if it was trying to explain Joey's situation, it did such a poor job. Because I just was sort of like, what the fuck is happening in Joey's life? Like, it's a mess, but, like, I don't have any explanation of whom is whom. 
in this uh, scenario. Brendan, can I, can I ask you a quick Massachusetts transportation question? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, and I think I know what the answer is going to be, but yes. Yeah, how many times in your life have you rode home? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's a great question. It is definitely a Massachusetts thing. Um, we don't have, like, paved streets in Massachusetts. We just have, like... <laughs> creeks and inlets and streams so what when i was a kid i used to row home uphill both ways from school <laughs> yeah um yeah no i i so i i was trying to figure out where this is and it's it, it makes sense that it's like supposed to be on cape cod um i i didn't grow up on cape cod but i've certainly been to cape cod a lot and i don't really know how common of a thing this is even in heavy creek like areas i i don't know that this happens a lot <laughs> So one of the things I was thinking about with Joey using a rowboat as her main mode of transportation, what the fuck happens in the winter when the creek freezes over? He skates. Is she just, is she stuck? Is she stuck at over. the little island yeah, wherever she over. is? No, you lace you, up you, and you, you skate s- over. Yeah, you, you go, uh, you play some pond hockey and you, and then you end up at your own, at your friend's place. That's yeah. it. Can you get an RWI? Oh, that's a. I know you can get a BWI from biking while intoxicated. Uh, There are little 500 uh, cyclists at Indiana who got those. So um, I think an RWI is definitely in, uh, you know, in the picture. In play. I think think it would be considered an OUI, which is an operating under the influence. And I think that covers Mm -hmm. all. But I, I don't know if there's like a pound limit or a speed limit. Um, let's test yeah. it out. Some cop in a boat just like just because... watching you zigzag all over the creeks. It's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, hold on. BWI could also be birding while it, while under the influence. There's a lot of different options. Um, you can go to jail for anything these days. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Um, so from here, we go to work. Um, in a scene that was like rather delightful, we get to see Dawson and Pacey both work at the local video store. Um, I wish it was a blockbuster so much, but like it almost feels like a family video. I don't know if you guys have yeah, those no, no, no. Up. This this town does not allow corporate chains. I I am from a small town in Connecticut that had rules against neon signs and like fast food establishments. We had a Pizza Hut, but they weren't allowed to offer delivery. Even like this is like small town rules to preserve it for like architectural digest and small town awards. So, during this bit, we get introduced to two new characters. Um, we have Nellie, uh, Nellie Olson, um, who, her dad owns the video store. She seems a little bit dim-witted, but she has a couple... She has one line that, like, hurt me to my core, and I wasn't even the person being addressed when she tells Pacey mm-hmm. that he's literally nothing. I was just like, Jesus Christ, teens can be so mean. But then we get this interaction between uh, Tamara and, or is it Tamara and um, Pacey that, I, I don't know, what did, what did everyone think? Brendan, what did you think about Pacey putting the moves on Tamara? So, look, if you move to, <laughs> if you move to a new town and, and you are an English teacher and you run into a child at the video store surely you know this kid is going to be one of your students it, like <laughs> it's a small town you know this kid goes to the high school you're going to teach yeah. him so again i feel like this is all just me being prude i promise i'm not but it's like 
This no, is a child. He's fifteen. You're not being a pro. Okay, yeah, okay. Promise. But Brendan, Brendan, <laughs> I will. On your side here. Uh, it's a child. As a counterpoint. Uh oh. Dawson does look like he's forty-five. So okay, look <laughs> totally. And Josh that Jackson doesn't, Josh, that doesn't hold Josh up Jackson in court. Doesn't. Josh Jackson does not, especially with his weird haircut. And also, <laughs> he was in the Mighty Ducks. So maybe she was going to rent the Mighty Ducks, and she was like, "Wait a minute." There was um, I know what you did last summer. There was that poster, and that poster made an appearance throughout the entirety of this pilot. It was like in two different scenes. So that was. Right, because uh, Kevin Williamson wrote that, didn't he? I believe he did, which is what a pl- self-plug for yourself. Yeah. Fact check, hold on. Oh, no. Um, no. But during this scene, you know, Pacey is trying to help uh, Tamara pick out a movie, and she's literally just the amount of sexual innuendo in her conversation I understand why Pacey was just like, oh, she's into me because she wants to rent The Graduate and she's explaining the plot to me as if I was a child, which I am, <laughs> about what is happening. Well, and they, they played that sexy jazz under her, too, while she's talking about, like, I'm into romance, I'm vintage. Like, come on. Also, uh, fact check, Kevin hear that Williamson. Jazz, <laughs> Kevin Williamson did also write the screenplay for I Know What You Did Last Summer. Points for Brendan. Wow, there we you. go. Wow. Um, I did my research. Wow, that is... I did my research. But the very, um, very self walk in the dog, huh? I, I, I don't want to make fun of uh, Leanne Hunley too much, but if she was trying to do a model walk, Tyra Banks would be very upset with her because it was very not model no hip swing like, at all. No hip swing. You you need to you need to smile with your eyes and make sure you're exuding confidence on that walk. And it seemed like she just found those heels. But also, like I, I mean, is. Is this like the last couple years of like, oh, it's extremely not problematic yet that someone would have a flirty relationship with an older woman as a 15 year old? Like, is this like, I feel like we're so past, we're so removed from like the John Hughes, like extremely weird, like predatory behavior uh, in, in romantic comedy thing. Like, are This are is we... pre, um, uh, what I thought was interesting was the, the, it, it is sort of like pre-MILF gaze in that sense because it mm-hmm. it's before American Pie. <laughs> I was just about and to say, yeah, it was just like, like two years before. Such a thoroughly academic way to put something so goddamn funny. <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> I, like from '99 D- to Dawson, Dawson would be so proud of that film analysis. <laughs> there, there's well, the MILF gaze. MILFs, how, how important can MILFs be if Steven Spielberg's never put one in one of his movies? There, uh, there's hey, hey, whoa, you leave Laura Dern out of this. Yeah, how dare you? That's true. Um, yeah, I, I, so I was, I was kind of like, oh, interesting, like getting. Getting in early on the MILF train. Um, but yeah, I, I think... Also in my search history. I certainly think it was like, yeah, we were nearing the end of like, it's okay for this to happen. And now we've got like TV shows and series that it's about it not being okay. I still kind of am under the... Like my philosophy is like, why don't we just stop making content about it altogether? Like, <laughs> because there, it, there's just no real need to, to show that relationship. But I also I've was got, a high I've school teacher. So i by... I've got love trained by the OJs stuck in my head now. <laughs> People all, so, all over the world. Milf train. <laughs> so after the scene of Pacey being convinced that he's found the new love of his life, um, we get a sort of a couple collected moments of Jen and Dawson 
hanging out together. We learn a little bit more about Dawson literally being the number one Spielberg fan, chronological posters of his hits around his room, um, which he calls his studio, which I don't know what is worst. Uh, if you call your room the place where the magic happens, or if you call your room the studio, I think they're on of equal plane. Um, <laughs> but then it's it's just this... It's a great scene of exposing an exposition of Dawson's character, but also you can tell, Je like, Jen is just being very polite when she's like, mm-hmm, like, this sounds like a great place for you to be. I, I laughed really hard at Dawson saying that whenever he has a problem in life, all he has to do is find the right Spielberg movie to turn on. <laughs> and also just basically him mansplaining Steven Spielberg to Michelle Williams while she's currently on the Oscar campaign trail for yeah. the Fablemans, which is like a fun little like loop back around. And he could have predicted that. I also turn to Schindler's List when I'm feeling depressed. <laughs> Yeah, whenever I'm whenever I'm hungry, I watch the terminal. Like, what are you talking about, Dawson? <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. Oh my god. Um, but we do come to find out some stuff. Like, there is this there's this small allusion towards the idea that Dawson thinks that his mom is cheating on his dad. Um, with like just some the way she says. Back to you, Bob. Absolute, um, absolute first draft of an idea. Like, how did that not get worked out in, in later drafts <laughs> of the script? Just to, to have him be staring at the TV and, like, watching his mom's mouth and the way he's looking at the co-anchor. And it's like, where is this coming from? It's just so And they bizarre. zoom back on it so many times. Like, they keep hitting if it I was over, If over. I was it's Michelle Williams... they pass over. If I was Michelle Williams' character, I would have been like, I'm going home. This is very strange <laughs> that, you're make, that you're doing this and that you're doing it in front of me is very strange. Like, I don't want to be a part of this. Joey should go home. Jed should go home. Pacey should go home. <laughs> Graham should go home. Everyone should go home. Everybody needs to go yeah. walk their dog. So from here, we do get to get a little bit more of an idea of what Jen's life is like at Gramps and Grams. Um, Gramps is Grams. recovering. And Grams is very religious. Uh, to the point where, you know, she's trying to force it down Jen's throat and she admits that she's an atheist. Um, and you can tell there's going to be a little bit of a struggle between those two characters throughout the entirety of this series. Um, but anything else from this scene, it, it felt almost like we ha we feel obligated to put it in, but also at the same time, like, it doesn't need to be here. Uh, Jen saying that she doesn't do breakfast and just, like, drinks black coffee until lunchtime is, again, not a 15-year-old move. That's, like, a 35-year-old move right there. Jen also no. talks about when, like, if we move forward a little bit, we go to Cape Side High and her first day, she's just coming off of doing cigarettes. Like, what the fuck was happening in New York? <laughs> doing cigarettes. Doing cigarettes. <laughs> I, love, I love that as, like... <laughs> I have heard so many different descriptions of smoking cigs, just burning heaters, literally any any description of it. I've never heard doing cigarettes. Uh, the the best editing moment in this entire pilot, though, is Jen saying that she's an atheist, and then smash cut to tub thumping by Chumbawamba. You'll have to be more specific because they smash cut to tub thumping three times. I could yeah. not Once believe. Once again, I, not they, I don't know if you guys know this. 
do you have to pay extra if you play it multiple times or do you pay just to like have it in the episode at all because the idea of them the, spending yeah. 40 grand like every time they had to do that drop i hope it's the one time and then you just hear them do <laughs> wait rich so you didn't get I this didn't, whole i didn't get tub something i didn't get uh i don't think i got the song from the bodines either wait i don't know what? okay Oh, you didn't get any of the music. Yeah, that's why. I wild. got oh, I because got, like like music that was just like kind of slapped in there. I guess I I got I got like the uh, okay. So uh, for everyone listening at home, don't watch it on YouTube. That's, that's the number <laughs> one rule. <laughs> okay, so yeah, just just a quick thing. If you watched it on uh, Netflix back in the day, if you owned the DVD box set, if you streamed it on YouTube, what you missed is basically parallel storylines of everyone's first day of school and every single time someone's <laughs> like cuts to the next person we hard <laughs> cut back into tub thumping by chumbawamba it I, sounds like I, an I exaggeration it. but it's not it really was like it, it was it was how you would do it if you were parodying a show from the 90s it was it was that often it's so much louder than everything else in the mix of this episode they just blasted at you fuck yeah so during this episode, though, or during the scene, we do come to find out a few things, right? Like, one, Tamara is Pacey's English teacher. Simple, right there. And Pacey's, like, even better. I get to see her even more every day at school. Two, we find out that Dawson was not let into this film class. What high school has a fucking film class that you can have as, like, not an extracurricular? Because I want to go there. And then we also just, like, Joey very much makes it clear she's not a fan of Jen. But we do get the explanation of Joey's situation in that, which was, like, that, I just, we just needed that. Like, in all seriousness... If I could recut this episode and take out that one scene of Joey, like, and her sisters, you know, baby daddy giving her, force feeding her food, and then the sister yelling at her and all that stuff. We didn't need that. Yeah, cut all that out. And then also, like, the explanation of it, I know it was, like, the late 90s, but it's, like, two separate times Joey says my sister was impregnated by her black boyfriend. Yeah, that like, was what weird. Yeah. yeah. It's just oh. such an unnecessary detail. Ooh. Like when, yeah. Really I, I, capturing I was... that Massachusetts racism. That's like, yeah. the one, yeah. that's like, the one Oh yeah, by the way, my problem really... with it is that it wasn't strong enough. <laughs> I, didn't <think> was, <laughs> I didn't think it was realistic. She didn't no, really yeah, roll it's, her it's eyes hard little... enough at black boyfriend. <laughs> it's one of those little cringy moments. Uh, but yeah, you have that. You uh, you have mom who had quote some cancer thing, and then dad is in jail for ten thousand pounds of pot. Ten thousand pounds. That's five, five tons. Five right? tons of pot. Yeah, ten. He, she was like, yeah. She just as casually as ever. Yeah, it was like five tons of pot. It's like what? Like how? Where? It's like a, yeah, uh, an orca whale's amount of marijuana. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, I want to really now like... describe pot in a uh, number of orcas. So <laughs> I, it by was the way, an... I have no idea if that's how much an orca It's a hundredth of an orca. <laughs> <laughs> um, that teacher, that film lab teacher, uh, was a dick. Can we all agree on that? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. A little bit. Yeah. So obviously Dawson's annoying, right? But I, like, so I taught a, I taught a film 
it was called from page to screen and it was an elective that i came up with when i was a high school teacher and it was great and it was fun and it was very popular um and i had these conversations and it just you could tell this guy was like annoyed with dawson the second he stepped foot in the room and it's like this kid wants to take your class you're like why are you being such a jerk off to this 15 year old kid (laughs) so one of the things that i think this show does a really good job of is writing although the actors and actresses who play the characters look like they're in their 20s and 30s because they (laughs) are they write the characters like they are 15 years old where you think you know everything in the world you're trying to be the wisest person in the room Mm -hmm. and you're trying to have adult conversations with adults who don't want to have adult conversations or treat you on that level field like that was the thing that i left i was so annoyed by the characters but at the same time i was like wait a minute i was this asshole too at one point in time the dawson the dawson film lab scene sucks because like they're both in the wrong. Like the teacher's an asshole to Dawson for no reason whatsoever. But also, like, it's a small class. This town was not going to have parents who let there be large class sizes right. for their children. <laughs> we have to protect the precious baby angels so they could get into good schools. And, like, Dawson, you're a sophomore. There's juniors and seniors who are going to take it. You're going to be at this high school for two more years. You're going to get into this class, just not in your sophomore right. year. Like, let it go, dog. Just go make some films, and you're going to take this class probably next year, if not next semester. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I I, actually, I don't know. There's there's just something about Dawson's dialogue, especially from this scene, where, he, you know, he is, like, a know-it-all, like, mansplaining kind of thing, but that is, like, very 15 of him. But he yeah. really talks like Woody Allen and Annie Hall, where it's just like psychoanalyzing fucking everything. And there is just something so unlikable about his character from that. Well, on the topic of psychoanalyzing, after Dawson gives up with his teacher, uh, we basically have Dawson asking Jen to read his script that he yeah. wrote. Asking her if she would mind taking a look at Act Three. I'm having a climax issue. That was oh, that was so funny. <laughs> what? But like, let's talk about their behavior in the lunch hall beforehand, where they're like creating character backstories for random people, and they're the most contrived, like batshit psychoanalysis of people that they don't even know. Of like, I think one was like, oh yeah, he like he likes to wear dresses when he's not at school or something like that, like. It was just, it was wild to me, like, this entire, that, and then Pacey also, good for him, like, not good for him, but he goes and shoots his shot with uh, Tamara again, and they talk about the film 1940, was it 1942? Summer of 42. Summer of 42, where he's just, like, another one where it's, like, inappropriate relationship between an older woman and a young boy. One of the sexiest years. Pearl Harbor, World War II raging on. Wait, that, that was the year before. Our, our, bo- our boys across over overseas are dying for our horniness. Oh. Okay, we need to. Oh, oh my what, god! What what is what is rationing, but not our nation's uh, collective right. edging for food? <laughs> That's the new what is love, if not or what is grief, if not love, persevering is that. <laughs> but. Because of this um, scene, right? Because Tamara's like, oh, I'm actually going to see this new movie at the theater. Um, Pacey's like, hey, Dawson, we're going to go to the movies tonight. Like, you should bring Jen and we're going to go. I don't need a date. My lady's going to be there. Um, And we get this 
wild double date situation as a whole. <laughs> well, first we get the most egregious thing in this entire pilot, the least believable moment in this entire pilot for me. And that is Dawson biking through town in Massachusetts wearing a New York Yankees hat. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I didn't even Why notice that. Wearing that? I, didn't even, I didn't even clock that. <laughs> he's wearing a backwards Yankees hat while he's biking, trying to convince Joey to come to the movies oh. on the double date. Well, he is a huge fan of Spielberg, so I assume he's cosplaying as a Jew. <laughs> Maybe it's because he's trying to suck up to Jen, who from, oh. comes from New York, but we don't know what happened in New York. Mm. So he's really mm. trying to, you know, ease his way in there. Oh, interesting. I don't know. You get your. Um, let me tell you something right but, now. You'll get your fucking ass kicked. You do something like that where I grew up. Okay, <laughs> you're not fucking doing that. Well, that that all I could think was I, you. You come back to you come back to yeah, Don't, you, don't, don't you show your fucking face around here around this Duncan. N- nowhere near here. I think I, that is how I think. You're right. It should have been played by Casey Affleck. Pacey should have been, and he should and he should have had a Bruins beanie on, no matter what the weather was. And yep. he and he's just like he's like I'm yeah. I'm nailing this fucking TG dude I swear to God like where I'm I, if I don't fuck up by the end of the semester I'll, I'll give you a hundred dollars like it, and and it would have been like funny but instead it was like I, what it, what was Lenny said uh, me, I have four oh, menstrually man. diverse sisters was so odd I was like this 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 is a, this is <laughs> clearly a, a a guy writing this episode by himself. Oh yeah, Casey. Kate, uh, Pacey's Casey. Gr- Casey. <laughs> Casey. No, he's Casey from now on. Pacey's grilling Dawson on like sex questions that he learned from Cosmo. Like this, Pacey might be the most like fifteen year old. Like, eh, dude, check out what Cosmo. I Cosmo read. was like, such a punchline <laughs> magazine too in like the late nineties, early two thousands. They'd be like, "Would you read that Cosmo?" And it was like. Ah! I I really wish. I mean, if this was like a truly like actual Massachusetts-based show, there would have been nine times as many black eyes in the as used in the. Bunch. That's correct, and and an incredible amount. I, there would have to be a heroin overdose in the first episode <laughs> if this really took place on Cape Cod. This week on a special Dawson's Creek, <laughs> and there were zero Kennedys. I also found that very very upsetting. Yeah, um, but let's talk a little bit about. The double date. Uh, we're going to see Waiting for Guffman, which what an Such exciting, a bizarre choice. What, what an exciting uh, a- a adventure. I want to know everything that Dawson thinks about Corky St. Clair. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know, like, why that, like, who, who, there's got, that's got to be an Easter egg of some kind, right? Like, why pick Waiting for Guffman? It's such a specific, great movie, but so, uh, such an odd choice. It's probably a Warner movie that they just got the rights to, oh, like to yeah. show for yeah. a little bit. I, I don't. I mean, if I had to, if I had to, like throw that out there, did that come out in '98 or is that like a? That's a that's a solid question. But 96. you know, '96. <laughs> okay, so okay. they're watching a movie that's two years old in theaters <laughs> at this point. You know, it's a small town. Maybe things they get don't to Cape Side by later. rowboat. Yeah, what <laughs> do you expect? Um, but during this double date. We really get an interesting perspective into the character. Like, we get an even more... We haven't talked about Joey that much in this episode. Uh, But, like, Joey's character is so intriguing for me. Because normally, at least in television that I've watched, you normally see it's the guy of the guy and girlfriend who is, like, the jealous one. Or the one who has the crush that's, like, 
unrequited or something of that sort. Flipping it on its head in this pilot episode of television was just so, I don't want to say refreshing. It was just <laughs> odd. Uh, it like it really threw me off when she's just like asking all of these sex questions to Jen, who Jen is playing it like a champ, let's be honest. Like she is being much more polite than I think anyone else would be in Unre- that situation. Unrealistically polite. Um, Jen is being over, or uh, Joey's being over the top, insanely mean. Like, wait, over the top, the yeah. Sylvester Stallone movie? <laughs> yeah, that's the movie they, they should have gone <laughs> yeah, to see. Yeah. yeah, that's the version they saw in the YouTube one that Rich watched. They were, they were watching over the top. <laughs> She's being so over the head right I now. couldn't believe, <laughs> I couldn't believe, uh, so number one, I just, I hate watching scenes where people are talking in a movie theater. It makes me very uncomfortable. Ooh, I um, two, I can't believe that the term size queen existed in 1998. I can't believe I haven't heard the term size queen prior to watching this TV pilot I, I, because I've heard it in like recent podcasts like the last two years. And I, I, Jeff, was, Jeff, I, I would have sworn it was a, a recent thing. <laughs> yeah, this was the moment when uh, when all the gray hairs at Procter and Gamble started clutching oh their God. pearls <laughs> and walked out of the room. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I feel like um, I, I, there's so many like bizarre like allusions to sex in this show and you know this is not the first show that we've covered <laughs> i mean it okay so one of my favorite like snl stories is dana carvey describing how he had to come up with all these like bizarre alternative lines for describing dicks and uh-huh. when he was doing the church lady and you know it ended up making it like way filthier like naughty bulbous parts and stuff like that and <laughs> the the use of walking the dog for for masturbating is like so this was on a faxed over thing from the censors at Warner Brothers at some point this is no no one uses this phrase this is not a we're teenagers in late 90s Massachusetts like oh everybody says walking the dog that's no just it's just phrase. like everybody says doing cigarettes rich you just haven't heard it yet <laughs> it's called it's called regional dialect rich yeah, I yeah. when he says it to him in the school, I didn't think it meant that. I, I Me so I, I was like, oh, this. I was like, is that? I mean, I'm from Massachusetts. I've never heard anybody say "go walk your dog," but I kind of liked it. I actually because to me it was kind of like "fuck off." I was like, "go walk your dog," yeah. like, get out of my face. And then when she drops that at the end, she's like, "how often do you walk your dog?" And I was like, "what?" And then she's like, oh. "time of day? How many times a day?" And I was like, "ugh, that's what that means." <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. So, so what news anchor? <laughs> oh, man. Other than Joey and Dawson getting in a fight outside of the theater, they at least are polite enough that Dawson's like, for the respect of everyone else, I'm going to take you outside and just yell at you because you're being rude. Because mm-hmm. um, he respects Pacey, cinema. <laughs> Pacey gets assaulted uh, oh. when he starts arguing yeah. with Mr. Gold about who's on a date with Tamara by the random guy. Nothing happens with that. Um, this this was a what an eventful evening in the quiet town of Capeside. Yeah, that is uh, that's some true Massachusetts escalation of uh, of reaction of having your popcorn spilled halfway to punching a child yeah. in the eye in, in public. Yeah, hey, stuff, such... move, stuff move fast in the Northeast, you know, you gotta, <laughs> yeah, keep your head on a swivel. Is this the only example of a documented brawl during a Christopher Guest film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tensions run high at Best in Show, so you never know it's gonna pop off. 
Um, can we just reverse real quick because we passed over my favorite line, and I have a pitch for oh, all, yes. uh, all of you as a podcast. Um, oh boy! If you ever get to the point where you're making like bumper stickers, TV pilots license bumper stickers, um, the the line that Jen says to her grandmother, which is "I'll go to church when you say the word penis," I think should be yes. <laughs> should be the bumper sticker. Oh, I man. love that line. There's so many. There's so many lines in the show that feel like they're in an improv scene like that they're they're yes. being said to establish like at one point he goes your whole <laughs> this is straight out of an improv scene your whole aquatic themed restaurant idea is getting worse by the minute like <laughs> just like establishing <laughs> this insane idea but it's like we don't have the time to like go over all this so we just have to say it in one line of dialogue oh. hey people paid thousands of dollars to be able to come up with that <laughs> yeah like brendan one of the i'm glad you brought that up because like when Max brought up who was involved in the writer's room of this show, like, it is literally for certain segments, I was just like, oh, this sounds like something from Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. Oh, this sounds mm-hmm. like something from yeah. Gilmore Girls. Oh, yeah. that, if you told me I'll go to church when you say the word penis was a line in Gilmore Girls and not Dawson's Creek, I was like, oh, yeah, they said that at the diner, 100%. Yeah. Like, yep. n- but, like, that is... It's or th- Everwood, or, like, fucking anything yeah. that, that has, like, a teenager that's surprisingly comfortable talking with uh, with older people about sex. Oh, uh, Desperate Housewives. The, oh, uh, 100%. The daughter in Desperate Housewives. Yeah. Well, after Pacey gets socked, we get two of the most Dawson's Creek lines as we cut back to the Joey and Dawson fight. And they come from Joey. I'm tired of understanding. All I do is understand. <laughs> and... You just want conflict for that script you're writing. Stop living in the movies. Grow up. <laughs> I'm going to start using that if I ever get in an argument with my wife. And she's like, you don't understand. I'm like, all I do is understand. I'm tired of understanding. <laughs> I want to be confused about shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so during this, we get two kisses. And if you're not watching this on YouTube... I just used gigantic air quotes um, because one was Dawson tries to make his move on Jen. Jen doesn't exactly turn it all, turn it down, but says, "I'll pretend that we kissed." Oh yeah, which that was is odd, wasn't it? That was a uh, that's something that you know, I I didn't even know how to react to that. That that felt like, isn't it better if you just say, "Let's let's retry this sometime, a different time, not now." Like, what yeah, did you guys I think, think of that? It's very much like a, um, neither of them have done this before, so they're just going to, like, for for the sake of not embarrassing themselves, they're just going to say that they did it mm. instead of actually trying it, I think. Uh, that I think that's what they were trying to get at. But everyone has such, like, a, in a, like, a late 20s, 30s, like, take, uh, psycho- psychoanalytic take on sex at this point. That, like, I can't tell what anyone has actually done or not done in this show. <laughs> this <laughs> is actually... <laughs> James Vanderbeek is 45 years old playing a, playing a literally an 8th grader. And, <laughs> and I, can't, I cannot tell what is happening with, with, what they're, with what they've experienced as people. Wait, so this is actually just FTX Island... Uh, as a WB TV show, is that what you're telling me? Rich? Yeah, it's a it's a crypto polycule. <laughs> <laughs> the, the world's first crypto polycule. SBF just shows up in the middle of this pilot. <laughs> what are you doing here? 
<laughs> All right, I'll, I'll stop talking about crypto. No one wants to hear me talk about it. Yeah, it's a um, podcast. But <laughs> from there, we uh, then get our other actual kiss that is way more problematic. Oof. When Pacey calls out Tamara about, hey, you've been leading me on. You've been flirting with me and all this sort of stuff. And then Tamara just says, fuck it. And makes out with a 15-year-old. Yep. Well, she doesn't just say, fuck it. Pacey gives this whole rant oh. about how she'll never see him for anything because he's just a boy. And when he's getting off his soapbox, she turns to him and says, you're wrong about one thing. Dramatic pause. Yep. Ellipses were written in that script. <laughs> uh, you're not a boy. And just plants one oh, yeah. on him. He also has, uh, uh, Brendan, my favorite line of the entire pilot, which is, uh, I'm the best sex you'll never have. <laughs> yeah, that which was is a wild something... line. <laughs> oh, right after, how can you say you were just renting a movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but... it's uh, it, incredibly problematic. Uh, I don't think uh, you're not a boy will hold up in court, frankly. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's a legal argument. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, it gave me the the big Your time honor. ickies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> big time. Ickies. The big time, not just the ick, the big time ickies. The big time ickies <laughs> for that one, yeah, because it was like, I was like, I'd convinced myself that she was gonna do the right thing. She like went on a date with an adult, and I was like, oh, she was a little flirty. That was weird. Hopefully, that's mm. not like the direction of the show. Or, or if it is the direction of the show, surely it won't happen in the pilot episode. But mm-hmm. then yeah. there you go, the end of the episode. I, I was really expecting this to be the moment where she like sits him down and is like, hey, you've got all these amazing qualities and you're going to yeah. grow up to be this like awesome person. And like, I, I'm gonna, like, I care about you like in a teacher relationship and I'm going to like mentor you or whatever. But no, no. <laughs> that's literally, literally the most psycho uh, reaction to have to this conversation. And Mac, also like, oh, I was going to say, Max, that's major network mindset. We're the WB. We're the cool network here. <laughs> right. You know what? For, for, for that character, for Josh Jackson, uh, having been famous already for being in the mighty ducks franchise. Like I'm so happy. I finally got to see him in a fight after watching him play hockey for three <laughs> fucking movies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we did not spend millions of dollars <laughs> advertising this TV show before Titanic to not watch a 15-year-old French as English teacher. <laughs> yeah. You're not uh, a boy, she said to the boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so from here, we got really one more big scene in this episode. And Dawson's come home after his pretend kiss with Jen. And... Joey is hiding in his closet, hanging, hanging with, with the clothes, the <laughs> which was just another great line. Oh, um, but I've definitely said that while high. <laughs> hanging with the clothes. Um, <laughs> Me and all my shoes are here. <laughs> so during this whole thing, they sort of have, they just let everything off their chest, right? Like Dawson talks about like, why is everyone so focused about sex? Uh, Steven Spielberg doesn't talk about sex in his movies. Um, I feel like this is literally from Annie Hall. I feel like Woody Allen literally wrote the word, uh, wrote the phrase, why is everyone talking about sex? Yeah. It's... I loved, uh, so where does that leave us? It's all so complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, the... then Do- and then Joey's solution is like, all right, the only way to, the only way to make this less awkward is I need to know how often you jerk off. Right. I need yeah. to know how often, and I need to know what you do it to. And that's the only way to break the tension. It's like, and what? 
Yeah, and I well, did get this song. Uh, this is, I think, this is the only song on the YouTube that I actually got. Um, Wait, you name your song first, then we'll say our song. <laughs> yeah, it's I. Uh, I got "I'll Stand by You" the by the Okay, Pretenders. good, yeah. good. Okay, okay, yeah. Great. So okay. after Joey leaves via ladder, tub thumping. Dramatic close to tub thumping. After Joey leaves via ladder. Um, Dawson goes and says, goes and finally admits he's like, usually in the morning to Katie Couric and the friendship lives. You see this relief in Joey's eyes that this friend of 10 plus years is going to still remain his, her friend because she put down the ultimatum that he, she had to know <laughs> how often and when he masturbated. <laughs> But Dawson picked the worst poster in his entire room to, like, dramatically slam his fist against in, like, his brooding moment. Because he's, like, leaning on this poster of Schindler's List, like, brooding <laughs> into it. And then being like, I jerk off to Katie Couric! <laughs> this, is, this is one of the most psycho endings to a show that I've seen so far. Yeah, I... I the they wanted like big cliffhangers like i know they wanted to be like oh the relationship between uh him and joey are gonna be is gonna be like complex and they're become just more friends adult. like he, yeah he yells out the window what he jerks off to and to to uh dramatic music and then like uh, 10 seconds she's later she's on a fucking rowboat <laughs> and yeah and while and 10 <laughs> seconds later while she's on the rowboat she sees his mom making out with bob confirming dawson's theory and dawson has no fucking idea oh, yeah um, that was another that was another uh oh moment for me was when the dad said watching her work is the best foreplay yeah was that like, was a wild scene dude, um, whatever um this hot. is an interesting uh this is what i alluded to this earlier off mic but this episode comes full circle uh, for me in particular, and I'm gonna—I know this is a podcast, but I'm gonna share my screen. Um, oh, because, uh, we've I've never actually, had a guest oh, share their shit. screen before. Oh, um, my this God. is a picture. This is a picture of me and Katie Couric as she was the host <laughs> when I was on Jeopardy. Uh, so, so, did you admit to Katie that you also jerked off to her in the morning? I, I, <laughs> Every I, morning. Is, I will not comment on that. I will not say anything about that. But uh, I Monday will, through yeah, Friday, so, baby. And there is a picture. Well, she probably deleted it at this point, but Katie Kirk took a selfie of all of us, um, oh. and then I never saw it. She was like, I'll, <laughs> I'll send it to you once the show airs, and she just never sent it to us, because it was all all the contestants, and I've Katie reached Kirk out to her people lies. and been like, hey, I've told people about this selfie, and I just want to, like, if she has it, if she could send it, and nobody's responded, so. Oh, yeah. that's oh. so funny. That's but I wonder. Shit. I wonder if that got back to her. Like I tried to. I tried to Google this. Like, de, like I don't know. I basically googled like, how does Katie Kirk feel about you know Dawson Leary jerking off to her? But no results. Uh, but I wonder. I'm sure somebody told her about it. Oh, it's no. got to be. Oh no. It's probably got... a little odd. But I bet in 1998 it was. It, it was kind of flattering, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I well, I mean, okay. So if you're on TV. Or if you're in any any public setting, you just have to. Uh, I get you can't control anyone like doing yeah, or not doing something. Uh, it's sort I, of like the is... the uh, I always um, if anyone knows like the Comic Con scene and the co people who cosplay. Oh God! Like, if someone asks to take a photo with you and you are a female, yep. don't Run. take that photo with them. <laughs> if Run. you if you're if you feel bad for Katie Kirk in this moment and you cosplay and someone asks you, just don't do it because you're gonna feel bad for yourself as well. 
There um, is an, there's an action figure of your costume somewhere covered in cum. My <laughs> someone's gosh. bedroom. Uh, thank you, Rich. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, well, that was the end of the episode. I'll of go Dungeons to church Creed. when you say penis. <laughs> penis. Yes. Put it on a bumper sticker. <laughs> Wait, I have one more. I have one more fun fact uh, that yeah. hasn't been mentioned yet that I kind of can't believe hasn't been mentioned, which is that Vanderbeek uh, is a is is a Dutch name and it translates to from the creek. What? Excuse me? How do you like that? I did not know this at all. Yeah, what do you wow. think? That is amazing. That's yeah. why he got the role. It was it was built into his name. Um, the universe, exactly right, the universe yeah. is just so more vast and confusing than we could possibly imagine. <laughs> all it's right. so beautiful. So, with Spielberg should make a movie about it. Yeah, with the end of this pilot episode, um, were there any things that we didn't talk about that you really loved about this pilot? We've touched on it throughout, but I just got to give a shout out to music supervisor John McCullough for what a badass Fresh job that mm-hmm. everyone and everyone except for Rich got to experience. <laughs> uh, John McCullough also did the music supervision for that '70s show uh, around the same time as well, starting on that, and he's like a really uh, big part of all these episodes. He's like in there with Williamson and Steuben throughout it, from what I can tell, and he really made the soundtrack uh, a part of the show's culture so shout out to him do you think he got paid off by chumbawamba to use (laughs) to use that song multiple times and also is that a good money laundering scheme discuss um no i don't think he got paid (laughs) off because i think i think we as a society have forgotten the absolute stranglehold that tub thumping had on all of us (laughs) Like I think, I think at that time they were they they Chumbawamba was like batting people off. Like we can't put our song in every show and movie, or yeah. people will get sick of it. Uh, we we love the that only song. more 1998 move would have been to just drop the Macarena. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did look up. I, I looked up what the uh just to historically situate myself. And the number one song in the country at the time was Truly Madly Deeply. When this oh. show aired, oh. and obviously Ooh. the number one movie was was Titanic, but also three days previous to this. So I, all I could think was like a lot of these teen shows in like the early two thousands had that kind of like post Clinton Lewinsky scandal sexuality, like Desperate Housewives. It was kind of this kind of like oh. we were just like, hey, if the president can talk about like you know finger fucking women with cigars, like we can talk about whatever <laughs> we want on TV. And so three days previous to this show airing was when the Drudge Report broke the Clinton Lewinsky scandal. So this well, show was actually kind of ahead of that curve a little bit and yeah. was like, yeah, we're just going to go and be gross. How do you talk to your kids about blowjobs? And Brendan, don't worry. We're going to talk about Clinton in a little bit when we talk about this show's legacy. Um, Rich, any things that you love that we didn't talk about or maybe wait a minute moments that we didn't talk about in this pilot? Um, so in, in Okay, so we've talked about basically everything that I've written notes down for. Uh, there was a fun fact that I discovered about how Katie Holmes got the, uh, the part for this. So she was like in the middle of a uh, in the middle of being the lead in her high school play production of Damn Yankees when she got a call to not only be part of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but also this. Which I mean, really going hard for a uh, for like an eighteen year old who's basically only done high school productions of things, um, but she submitted her tape for this, and this is an extremely nineties uh, sentence. She submitted her VHS tape for this role, 
uh, and then accidentally taped over half of it with a with her uh, sister's high school volleyball game footage. So, <laughs> but they liked her enough in the first half of the audition tape to to bring her in and like give her more chances. That's amazing. Max, any wait a minute moments for you or Brendan? Anything that we didn't talk about? I need to unpack something here, guys. We need to talk about Dawson Leary's Oedipus Complex. <laughs> yes, thank you. Okay, I have that in bold. I have that in bold notes here. So, Dawson's mom is a middle-aged morning newscaster, uh-huh. and the person that Dawson admits that he whacks it to the most is wow. also a middle-aged morning newscaster. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Back he here. also lingers like a problem in my on head. believing his mom's having an affair with Bob. With back to you, Bob. And really rewinds that moment time and time again, hyper-fixating yeah. on it. He what also, the fuck is wrong with this guy? He also <laughs> has, like, contempt for Mitch, his dad, who seems like a perfectly fine person with bad restaurant <laughs> ideas. Like, it's... Yeah, it's definitely... I have a lot of questions. Um, maybe we'll find out more if we choose to watch a little bit more of this show. My only my only big takeaway still stems from the fact that it should have been more Boston centric. It should have taken place closer to Boston. It should have had scumbag Boston kids. It should have been called Charlie's Creek, <laughs> and the guys should have been called Charlie and Mac. Like everything, it should have just been more Boston. And I think it might still be on the air today if this was like just a little bit more Boston. Season twenty four. <laughs> what, like, what's the matter, Dawson? You still spanking it to your mom? <laughs> Dude, you got something fucking weird going on with your mom, I'm going to be honest with you. Well, on that note, we do have an in-flight question. Uh, In-flight questions are submitted to us by fans of the podcast on Instagram, and sometimes they also leave them via voicemail. But our in-flight question today comes from a fan asking, Dawson said there were no sex scenes in Spielberg movies. Choose one to put a sex scene in. Brendan, I'm first. Oh, Rich, I'm putting you on the spot. Let's go. <laughs> E.T. needs to fuck. He is a sexual being. He is an extraterrestrial being, and he is a hot one. He needs to fuck. All right. Go on. Max, what about you? Uh, I want to see Tom Hanks as Victor Dvorsky in the terminal join the Mile High Club. <laughs> <laughs> but he can't leave the terminal. Uh, right. Yeah, no, he's he's clear for takeoff, boys. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, Take Brendan. Out, you mean. Um, this is easy. There's that quick scene in Hook when Tinkerbell becomes full size, and I would like to see her and, and Robin Williams go at it. <laughs> All I'll right. send you some links. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so, hey, Jeff. Yeah, I, I was thinking about <laughs> what would be the funny answer, what would be the most realistic answer, so I'll give both of those. Um, I think Close Encounters would be a great film with the sex scene if we're just thinking about something that doesn't make sense. But yeah. in a realistic scene, Catch Me If You Can probably mm. is missing a sex scene uh, if we're being absolutely honest. No, it does not have one, Rich. I see you pensively thinking to yourself, is there a sex scene? But Leonardo DiCaprio, Amy Adams, it is just there for the taking if you wanted mm. to do so. Um, also 15 in that movie. 
Wait, I'd like to like to change my answer to Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum. Oh hell yeah, yeah, that's just because right I think I, frankly I think Wait, I would like is to it, watch the two of them. Is it in next, the helicopter? So. Because Brian Williams has some notes for you. If that's oh my the case. god! <laughs> yeah, it's while it's while it's while Alan Grant is struggling to get his seatbelt on. They just they just get tired of it. <laughs> well, thank you for that uh, question. Uh, once again, we'll talk a little bit more about how you can submit those. But we are now towards almost the end of our time but we have to go to rich's game of the week rich what do you got for us this week yeah uh i'm, I'm so glad that we talked about what a capitalistic mindfuck that this uh the show is that just like it feels like it was kind of like made in a a brood dude uh like executive room about like how can we try to like I don't know. It seems like a, there is an opportunity to sell teenagers like deodorant from this uh, from this particular show, just from like how extremely like heavy handed it is for teens. But um, you know, this evokes the image of like Seventeen magazine, Tiger Beat, and what ha- what did coincide with the re- release of this show is the very first Teen Choice Awards, and mm-hmm. I would like you to come up with a. Uh, with a, a joint answer of uh, who do you think from the core four of this show has the most Teen Choice Award wins? Oh. oh. Uh, for the show or, or, or all time? All time. So this is just for uh, for reference. Uh, the core four we're referring to is Michelle Williams, Katie Holmes, James Vanderbeek, Josh Jackson. All right. Brendan, what, uh, what are your thoughts on this? So, so... Uh, I think the obvious answer is Katie Holmes, but I I think I could also like I, I almost want to guess James Vanderbeek just because he was the lead, but I think Katie Holmes was in other stuff, you know, like yeah. I think probably even for Batman she might have won a Teen Choice Award, that's like like for Best Kiss or something because that's a yeah. Teen Choice Award. Um, Max, what are you thinking? I mean, I know the teens were going nuts for like my week with Marilyn and Blue Valentine with Michelle Williams. So that's right, I, they were. <laughs> I th- I think yeah, but uh, no, I I feel like she has too many like prestige films and not Teen Choice fodder. Um, with Joshua Jackson, the only other big thing I could think of was Fringe, really. But and that I, was like, but that was so that much was, later. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I have to go with Katie Holmes' like connection to the Christopher Nolan Batman films as like getting her some love there. I'm I'm gonna join you in Michelle in uh, Katie Holmes. I think Katie Holmes is our our choice. All right, um, Michelle Williams, no wins. Katie Holmes, no wins. James Vanderbeek, one win. Josh Jackson, three wins. Oh. <laughs> For what are they? Are it's they all for, for Casey? It's for Dawson's Creek and Fringe, and I think there was one <laughs> other thing that he did. It, it, but yeah, fringe? apparently the teens were hella into Fringe. I mean, the teens I love and fringe. my old parents, and that's yeah, it. That's and the only me. <laughs> There's ten people who watch that show, and I'm one of them. Um, well, Rich, thanks for the game of the week, even though you stumped us. Three uh, surfboards, baby. Let Let's read, talk. Read them and wave. <laughs> let's talk about the legacy of the show. So this show had six seasons. 128 episodes. It premiered January 20th of 1998 and ended May 14th of 2003. All of those seasons were on the WB. Um, It did have syndication as a series on 
few random networks here and there, including Nick at Night, um, which, you know, so be it. Um, we talked a little bit about Procter & Gamble's involvement, but they backed out uh, because it was deemed too racy. As far as nominations, this show had 24 award nominations and won five of them. No surprise, they were all Teen Choice Awards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so from a ratings perspective, this was it was actually pretty interesting because even though Dawson's Creek is has this lore of being a super successful show, it really wasn't because ABC, NBC, and CBS still existed and still had a stranglehold on mm-hmm. most of the you know American population. Uh, but let's talk about one time where this show outperformed all of those other networks. And it was its second episode, because does anyone have any idea what happens in early January, or late January, every single year? Surprise, oh, it's the please? State of the Union, uh, oh. and it was right after President Clinton uh, mm. was giving his State of the Union in regards to the Monica Lewinsky scandal, and it perf- Dawson's Creek outperformed every single major network what? for that episode. Um, there's one other thing that I did want to speak about and just how important Dawson's Creek was to, uh, advertising for WB. So WB prior to Dawson's Creek brought in about a hundred million dollars in ad revenue a year during Dawson's Creek, like the first year it went up to $500 million. So it went up by five. That is batshit. Like that, that just doesn't happen. Um, and then one other thing, there was technically a spinoff for this show called Young Americans. Um, it was based off of a character who was in the show for three episodes. That's it. Uh, huh. and then they, <laughs> there also was a paperback novelization of the entire series. It was 15 books long. Um, but what? you boys want to start a book club <laughs> <laughs> with all of that said, though, I want to throw it back to all of you. One, do you think the show could be made today? And two, would you continue watching this version of the show if given the opportunity? Brendan, we'll start with you. I I have every opportunity to continue watching this, and I do not think that I will. <laughs> I, I will say they did a great job of cramming in some cliffhangers in the last like 90 seconds of the episode mm-hmm. where I was like, uh, okay, I'm like kind of interested in how these play out. Um, but... No, I don't think I'll be watching it. And do I think it could be made today? I do, but I think it would need some level of detached irony. Like, it's a little too earnest, I think, to be made today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the plot lines are kind of, you know, like best friends falling in love, new kid in town, like class. The class issues were sort of, like, interesting and, and um, sophisticated. Like, I feel like not a lot of teen dramas were talking about that then, so... I think it could be made, but it would have to be. There would have to be some changes. Rich, what about you? Yeah, I think uh, I have to agree with Brendan on this. I'm not watching another one of these. The the affair cliffhanger was not compelling enough to to really dive in deeper. Um, like I'm I'm positive if I was like 14 and bubbling with hormones, I would want to try to see like uh, like how the relationship between Dawson and Joey like advances and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm 32 and broken, so, uh, I'm not watching it more. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, 
and yeah i mean like like brandon said like it would have to really have something more compelling and juicy for the storyline because it is very much like i mean these characters are kind of like borderline religious conservative like in in how they would be viewed today like compared to how teenagers are right now and you would have to have some like fucking tiktok element and stuff like that in it and that sounds horrifying that sounds horrible um uh and for that reason uh sharks i'm out yep. uh for me i just don't think it be made today there's too many elements that make dawson's creek dawson's creek that you have to change for it to be made today uh most of the way that joey talks uh, i don't think that you could even be so forwardly sexual today in the way teens talk i think people would like raise some ire at that Mm-hmm. The video store, even Dawson being like the one filmmaker in the small town, like we all have the ability to just make videos whenever we want to now. It's like Dawson's whole thing isn't that wild or unique anymore. It's because like the accessibility we have in technology. And if you change all those things, it's just not Dawson's Creek. So I think this is a time capsule of 1998 and it needs to be left there. As for what I watch it, I'm going to be honest. I probably would. Uh, it's it's really uh, soapy and goofy, and if I just was bored and wanted to watch something on HBO Max, I'd probably check out a few more episodes. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to watch all 120-something, but I'd give it another go. Yeah. How much more tub thumping is there? I want to find out. <laughs> so None what else? for you, Rich. <laughs> yeah. None if you watch it on YouTube. Mr. YouTube. Um, so I'll finish this off with... Um, I actually read, in preparing for this episode, I read an interview with um, the creator of the show, Kevin Williamson, and he was asked... I was going to say God. Yeah. (laughs) The the creator. The creator. Uh, (laughs) But he was actually asked if he ever thought that Dawson's Creek could be remade, and he said no. It is... With the advancement in social media and technology, it couldn't have the same feeling that it has of being a quaint small town with a small group of friends without much outside interaction. And I agree. It wouldn't be Dawson's Creek, as you said, Max. Um, But would I continue watching this? If this was on, or if I just needed something to be mindlessly watching, sure. Why not? Um, (laughs) I think that it is... There's shows that are better that do the same sort of thing, right? Like, I'd much rather watch Gilmore Girls than this. Like, let's be honest. Like, And I know they serve slightly different audiences, but I put them in that same group of, like, yeah, there's younger people, and they're going through life changes, and there happen to be adults that we don't really <laughs> focus on because we treat them like horny, Charlie Brown excuse adults. Excuse me, horny Charlie um, Brown adults. With that... Oh yeah, no. Oh, mwah, 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 Char- mwah. Charlie Brown, but horny. Let's go. Um, with that all being said, though, as the flame, all the goodwill from our Thanksgiving episode, <laughs> as the flame comes to a land, um, I want to find out where we can find all of y'all. And Brendan, where can our audience find you? Um, yeah, my all my handles are Brendan P. Sargent, which. Uh should be in the description of this episode by name if it's spelled correctly uh and uh the dear john is at hey nice bathroom on instagram and it's also all over youtube and we have a very exciting guest uh coming at the end of, well we've already taped the episode but we have uh that episode coming out later this year and i also i know these guys from pub trivia i run pub trivia all over la so uh, lucky guest trivia is the name of that trivia company 
and go to nice. it if you live in LA and you're listening. Yeah, yeah and go, come to go, go support. It, it rules. I I go with Rich almost every week. All right, Rich, where Don't where give can away we find our location, you? Max? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you can find me. Uh, trying to flag down someone at e rustic to order anything uh <laughs> and you can also find me on instagram at uh damn that's rich you can follow max and uh, my comedy at uh Dadwagon comedy on tiktok uh you can find me max on all things social media at maxwell sing and you can find me rowing a boat down the Mississippi River of Minnesota. <laughs> but if you want to find me on social media, you can find me at RunJeffRun on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at TV Pilots License. You can find our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts or most places at least if you have a question about the show or for our next episode you can email us at tv pilots license at gmail or give us a call at 213-290-1713 make sure to watch out for our instagram for sneak peeks and previews of our upcoming episodes and with the plane landed the seatbelt sign off we look forward to flying the bright skies of the tv world with you again and until then have a good one I get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> <laughs>